Welcome to Looking for Lincoln Stories, a podcast about people, events, and places of Abraham Lincoln's life and times. These narratives of real-life events paint a picture of the vibrant history of the Abraham Lincoln National Heritage Area. This episode is entitled The Charleston Riot, Unrest in Illinois During the Civil War. In March 1864, a riot between Copperheads and Union troops broke out in Charleston, Illinois, sparking concern that this could mark the start of a large-scale uprising in the North. Discover the causes of this turmoil and what happened in its aftermath. This episode is narrated by Jock Headblade, the executive director of Unforgettable Forgotonia. The atmosphere was already tense before the taunting started. Then came the cursing, followed by shoving. Punches were thrown. But when gunfire erupted, all hell broke loose on this once quiet eastern Illinois town. 100 years before the demonstrations and riots over the Vietnam War, there were noisy, nasty, and often violent confrontations over another unpopular American conflict, the Civil War. One of the most notorious riots during that time took place in 1864 in the city of Charleston, Illinois. Before it was over, nine people were killed, 12 were wounded, and the city that President Abraham Lincoln knew well was thrown into chaos. It's hard to imagine widespread gunfire and a huge deadly mob action in the peaceful community that today is home to Eastern Illinois University. How could something like that happen? What could possibly cause fellow citizens of the same city to violently turn on one another? To find out, we needed to explore the political situation of the 1860s and how the national conflict of the Civil War often spilled over to the home front. The outcome of the Civil War was uncertain in 1863. The January 1st Emancipation Proclamation provided badly needed black troops for the Union war effort. But the arrival of black soldiers caused discord on the home front and prompted desertions of white soldiers from the army. Many white men were angry that they were being drafted to fight for emancipation and that anger sometimes erupted into violence. The infamous and deadly New York City draft riot in July 1863 was one example. Rioters targeted black New Yorkers and burned the city's orphanage for black children. Other deadly riots flared up in Hartford, Newark, and Boston. Some northerners took a different approach to opposing union policies. Just like today, if you were a member of a political party in the 1860s, you could align yourself with different factions within that party. The Democratic Party in the northern states generally supported the war to save the Union, but a sizable faction of Democrats known as the Copperheads opposed the war and favored a peace agreement with the Confederacy. There were a large number of Copperheads in Illinois, especially in central and southern Illinois. The Copperheads were also known as Peace Democrats or Butternuts. Some of them chose to exercise their First Amendment rights by verbally harassing Union soldiers. Those soldiers often returned the favor by forcing Copperheads to swear their allegiance to President Lincoln and the Union. 
As you can imagine, these confrontations, often fueled by strong drink, could at times devolve into shoving, fistfights, or worse. Charleston was a small Coles County town of approximately 3,000 people in the 1860s. Most of its residents and those of nearby Mattoon had either migrated to Coles County from the south, primarily from Kentucky, or were descendants of those migrants. So it comes as no surprise that there was a lot of sympathy for the Confederate cause in Coles County and not an abundance support for the Union cause there. The local sheriff was even accused of being a copperhead. One year before the deadly 1864 Charleston riot, an incident occurred that further inflamed the passions between the Copperheads and the pro-Union camps. In March 1863, Union soldiers crossed into Coles County from nearby Indiana to arrest five Union Army deserters. The two sergeants, who were the leaders of that small force, were promptly arrested by the Coles County Sheriff for kidnapping. The two Union sergeants were brought before Judge Charles H. Constable who determined that Union military officers in Indiana had no right to arrest deserters in Illinois. He set a court date for the two men to face kidnapping charges. That angered Union General Horatio Wright in Indiana, who was already concerned about the increasing anti-government sentiment in Southern Illinois. The general sent Colonel Henry Carrington to investigate. Carrington arrived at the courthouse in Charleston with more than 200 soldiers and arrested Judge Constable. After a lengthy debate over whether to try the judge in front of a military tribunal or civil authorities, Judge Constable was finally freed after the case was handed to a civilian court and the charges against him were dismissed. But Union soldiers in the area weren't so quick to dismiss the perceived wrong they felt Judge Constable had committed. In January 1864, members of the 54th Illinois Infantry Regiment that were stationed in Mattoon accosted the judge and forced him to pledge his allegiance through the federal government. In nearby Charleston, soldiers of the 54th attacked and beat two Copperhead Democrats. By March, tensions had reached a new high. was in session on the Charleston Square on March 28, 1864. There was also a Democratic rally planned that day on the square with hundreds of Copperheads present. Both the crowd at the rally and the soldiers had been drinking. The square was a powder keg filled to overflowing with anxious people just waiting for the spark to set things off. Bouts of shoving and yelling broke out. Fearing the worst, Democratic leaders canceled the planned rally and suggested the party members leave before the situation worsened. But it was too late. Fighting broke out between the Copperheads and the Union soldiers. Sometime after 3 p.m., Democrat Nelson Wells fired at Private Oliver Salee. Before he died, Salee returned fired and killed Wells. Soon six soldiers and three civilians were dead and 12 were wounded. More than 100 shots were fired during the riot in an era when nearly all weapons could only fire a single shot. It took the arrival of 250 Union troops from nearby Mattoon to end the melee. Three, two, 
The following day, more than 600 Union troops descended upon Charleston and Mattoon to reestablish order. Many of the Copperheads involved in the riot fled or went into hiding. The deadly riot made national headlines, and many national leaders, including President Lincoln, feared that the Charleston riot could mark the start of a large-scale uprising in the North. Fifty suspects in the riot were questioned, and 29 of them were kept in custody in Springfield, and then relocated to a military prison at Fort Delaware, where they expected to be tried by a military tribunal. This did not sit well with many in the legal profession, including David Davis from Bloomington. Davis was a close friend of Lincoln, and the president had appointed him to the U.S. Supreme Court in 1862. On July 2, 1864, Abraham Lincoln telegrammed Judge Davis and another judicial friend from Illinois, Judge Samuel Treat, asking for their opinion on how to handle the legal situation. Justice Davis wrote several letters to Lincoln about the Charleston incident during which he implored the president to have the suspects tried by a civilian court. The government ought not to have taken these men out of the hands of the law. Besides the disregard for the law, as I think, it will irritate the public mind and cannot possibly do any good, Davis wrote. Judge Treat agreed that the prisoner should be tried by a civil court and not a military tribunal. In addition to Judge Davis and Judge Treat, Lincoln received advice from Charleston residents legal colleague and former Congressman Orlando Ficklin traveled to Washington to speak with the president about the matter. Lincoln's cousin, Dennis Hanks, sent Lincoln a letter with a personal account of the riot. Like Ficklin, Hanks also traveled to the White House and pled with Lincoln to release the prisoners from the military authorities. Lincoln intervened and turned the prisoners over to the civil authorities in Coles County. And by the end of 1864, all of them were either released or exonerated. Charleston, Illinois held meaning for Lincoln. Lincoln and his family had migrated to Illinois from Kentucky just like most of the Cole County settlers. His father and stepmother lived on a farm not far from the scene of the riot in Charleston. Members of his family frequented the city and his stepsister even witnessed the riot from an upstairs window on the square. Lincoln himself visited the Charleston and Mattoon areas numerous times while he practiced law. One of the famous Lincoln-Douglas debates was held in Charleston when Lincoln ran against Stephen A. Douglas for the U.S. Senate in September of 1858. Lincoln was in the area for a final time as president-elect in late 1860 when he bid his family farewell before departing for Washington. The anti-war riot on his home turf must have been a cruel irony for the president. He was continuing to fight against slavery and faced a very close presidential election just months away. Lincoln's future and that of the nation hung in the balance. And as the Charleston riot demonstrated, that future was anything but certain. Thank you for listening to this episode of Looking for Lincoln Stories, brought to you by Looking for Lincoln and the Abraham Lincoln National Heritage Area. This episode was written by David Blanchett, directed by Heather Fieser, and edited by Stephen Varble. 
Narration was provided by Jock Headblade, the executive director of Unforgettable Forgotonia. Looking for Lincoln Stories highlights people, events, and places from Abraham Lincoln's life and times. These real-life narratives paint a picture of the vibrant history of the Abraham Lincoln National Heritage Area. To learn more about the area, visit lookingforlincoln.org.